This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Reddick goes off the bottom of the wall, bounces over its head. Kepler is being waved in. Here he comes. What a slide by Kepler. All right, welcome in. It's Mackie and Judd, a post-game special here. Um, and boy, it's going to be special because the Twins just lost their 17th consecutive postgame game. And Judd Zolgad, you're at Target Field right now. Can you hear me okay? Do we have good Zolgad? Yeah, he's just got a, he's actually I'm working on unmuting his mic on StreamYard. Oh, okay. Physically, I said unmute his mic on the physical Judd, side. Unmute, then, unmute your mic, I just, un- I just unmuted my mic. I might, I might mute it again, though, depending on what happens here. They're all alone now, guys. The 1975 to 79 Chicago Blackhawks are in the rearview mirror. 17 consecutive postseason losses in major sports. They're all alone. Um, yeah, this is uh, this is historic in that regard. In that we should take a moment to appreciate the absolute embarrassing futility that is Twins postseason baseball, and we are going <laughs> to spend at least the next hour tearing these guys to shreds, Judd. Like. Jorge Polanco, like we're going to get to all of it, but going into this game, the Twins had the Major League Baseball record for consecutive postseason losses in 16, 16 going back to 2004. The only other of the four major professional sports leagues in this country, the only other team that had lost 16 straight playoff games was the Blackhawks that you mentioned from 1975 to 1979 in the, the Stanley Cup playoffs. The Twins stand alone with 17 straight postseason losses. And Judd, I think we should fire up right away here. I don't think we should waste any time. When a team, when the Vikings lose, we do it. And when the Twins lose, we're going to do it. I know where you're going. Now on Mackie and Judd. This chart makes it as clear as I can to you. The pie chart of blame. I'm going to blame somebody. Judd, go ahead. What's your pie chart of blame for the Twins losing this game in epic fashion today? I feel like we should start with you because you ordinarily give out um, very pithy pie charts. And sure. I need and I need time to separate my sixteen. You know what? I should come up with a pie chart for every loss. I've got. I should one come for up you. with a pie chart oh. for every loss. But go ahead. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll I'll give you three pieces of pie for this one. All right, three pieces of pie. Piece of pie number one, Jorge Polanco. You deserve the most blame. The Rock knows how you feel about pie. For the way that that game ended. All right, and I'm going to give you. I'm gonna I'm gonna split this up. Forty uh, percent Jorge Polanco. I have another forty percent chunk of pie, and then I have uh, I have a twenty percent chunk of pie. We're gonna work on. But Jorge Polanco, Sergio Romo comes in. 
He allows a couple of bloop, just absolute duck fart base hits that really like you could say they weren't his fault. I mean, anytime, anytime you allow contact, it is your fault to some extent. But a couple of sort of bad luck hits. He grinds his way back in that inning and he gets the out pitch he needs, a bouncing ball to Jorge Polanco, who actually made the more difficult part of the play, which was the one hop scoop, right? That was the most difficult part of the play. Yes. And yeah. he just lazily sidearm throws that ball over to, to Luis Arise before Arise was even at the bag. So um, I got to give 40% to Jorge Polanco, just absolutely like middle of May, regular season way in which he went about that play at shortstop and it opens the gates for the Astros to take the lead. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to skip to the smaller chunk of pie. I'm going to give 20% to Sergio Romo for after that happens. Okay. Like that's tough and you deserve to be out of the inning. But after that happens, Jose Altuve is Clark Kent. Okay. He used to be Superman and then they, they, they caught him banging on trash cans and cheating. And now he's Clark Kent. He's one of the worst hitters in baseball this year. Because baseball is hard when you don't know what pitches are coming. And he walks Jose Altuve with the bases loaded. You literally just have to throw sliders over the plate in that spot and hope that he just hit a weak ground ball somewhere. Like, you can't walk him in that spot. That bothered me. Okay. But the biggest piece of pie, Judd Zolget, in this pie chart of blame has to go to the offense in total. And not just the offense today. But I want to present to you one of the most amazing, ridiculous statistics you're ever going to find, okay? Because today wasn't just about the 2020 Twins urinating down their leg in game one, and now they have to win back-to-back games just to stay alive in these playoffs. Mm -hmm. Today was a culmination of 16 years of pathetic playoff baseball, okay? Mm -hmm. Get this. Going back to 2004... The Twins have had 13 consecutive games in which they've scored four runs or fewer in the playoffs. The last time they scored more than four runs in a playoff game was October 9th of 2004. I believe it was game four in a loss, in a clinching loss to the Yankees in that series. 13 consecutive games in which they haven't scored more than four runs. How Mm -hmm. is that possible? It doesn't make any sense. You can change... The jerseys, you can change the roster, you can change the manager, you can change the front office, but apparently you can't change the absolute pathetic way in which the Twins go about these playoff games. So if it feels like I'm fired up, I'm ready to punch through glass right now watching this for 16 damn years. Can we now acknowledge, too, that, that, that us trying to dismiss this as, well, it wasn't, you know, Nelson Cruz does not care, Polanco does not care. This streak burdens them. It follows them around, and I know it shouldn't, and I know that that doesn't make sense, but it definitely does. Like, there is now something this, and by the way, now this streak is their streak. So this is no, so as they went into the playoffs in 2019, I think it was very fair to say, okay, you know what? It's a lot of new guys. It's Rocco is new, right? Very much distanced, uh, and the only real tie-in would have been the one-game wildcard playoff loss in 2017, all right? But now you're four games in, and there's no question in my mind this streak is their streak. Um, And we can say that makes no sense. You know, you're just making stuff up. But I can tell you right now, if you don't think that for the four playoff games, Phil, that we have now seen this team last October and today, if you don't think they look burdened, then I don't know what you're watching. Like, they look like they are carrying the weight of the world. As much fun as this team can have at times, and at times, 
They do. I mean, 2019 was, to me, a baseball version of a complete yuck fest. I mean, Mm -hmm. everything was fun until you got to where? The Bronx, right? And today, you're at home. You're playing the Astros. The Astros are awful on the road. They are truly terrible. Um, I got my pie chart. And actually, you know what? The Rock knows how you feel about pie. I'm going to go very Maconian here. I started with a big one, and I'm like, no, no, that's not what I'm doing. I'm only giving out, and this might be a Zolgad record, three pieces of pie. Only three, okay? 40% goes to the bats. Byron Buxton, dude, I, I did an afternoon Judd video about you today that was well consumed. And to all of you who watched it, I appreciate it. And I apologize because I look like an idiot. He was feeble at the plate. He got a hit. And after that, I believe he struck out three times. Okay. But I'm going to go the bats. The bats disappeared. Why? I don't know. I mean, Zach Granke, Phil, in the first was on the proverbial ropes. Like you had him. You could have punched him so hard that I'm not saying he wouldn't have come out for the second but it could have been it felt like it could have been five rip, right? Yep. You could have and, you could have ended that game and you could have like the Astros yes, the yes, Astros were ready to concede. Look at their body language. They're not having any fun. Nope. They haven't shaved in weeks. Like they just want this to be over. Yes. And so, you like you you let them in for two and a half hours and they're like, All right, I mean, I guess if that guy doesn't want to throw a ball to second base and get a force, I guess we'll just win the game. Mm-hmm. Like it's ridiculous. So, so I'm going to give uh, 40% of the blame to the bats. I'm going to give 20%, which is probably not enough, but it works in my uh, pie chart. 20% goes to Polanco. Uh, and 20% goes to Polanco, but I'm also g- going to uh, throw in as a side Marwin Gonzalez, too. Because if Gonzalez makes the play that I really believe Donaldson would have made uh, in the inning that the Astros tied that game, the inning is done. And that ball was a – that would have been a nice play, but not a great play. I mean, the ball popped out of his, his glove. Maldonado, the catcher, is as slow as I am. So you had time. He couldn't recover in time. Um, so I'm going to get 20% to Polanco. But the left side of that infield, there's no question about it as this game advanced today. Let the Twins down. And my final 40% is reserved for one guy, Rocco Baldelli. I didn't understand pinch hitting Garver. Garver has been almost unplayable. And to bring and to put him in in that role, I didn't get. But more so, I didn't get for the second consecutive playoffs, I didn't get the bullpen. I didn't get so so Maeda struggles in the fourth and throws a ton of pitches, Phil, and I understand that, okay? But he comes back then in the fifth and he throws um ten pitches. And he looks really, really good, really, really sharp. Again, he's at 91 pitches at that point. Are you telling me you can't bring him back for the sixth and and then trot the bullpen out starting in the seventh? And and I felt like the decision to uh, take Maeda out really got things all screwed up then. Uh, So just like game one of last year, I guess I don't understand why Rocco doesn't adjust philosophies and thought processes enough to acknowledge that this season is not what the Twins just completed on Sunday. Yeah, on the Maeda front, let's go down that path for a second. And by the way, I think uh, I think we can dust off the phone lines here. We haven't we haven't we haven't taken phone calls in the studio in a while, um, just with our new content format here. But six five one six four six eight two five five six five one six four six 
8255. Declan Goff is just killing it in the background right now with like eight different plates like he's spinning. Yeah. Trying to imagine my emotions. <laughs> do I want to puke? Do I want to cry? Do I want to punch something? Do I want a seltzer or seven? I don't know. Like All De- the above. Declan's going to stone cold Steve Austin some Corona hard seltzers oh. right now. Uh, ding for the promotional there. But uh, yeah, 651-646-8255. If you want to chime in here, we'll turn this into a little twins vent line. And hello, there go the phone lines. Okay, Kentamida, I, I wasn't in love with taking him out after 91 pitches either, seeing as how the guy like was perfectly fine after throwing 120 pitches in a near no-hitter, what, a month and a half ago. Right. I don't know that it would have drastically affected the game. I mean, it would have it would have changed maybe one reliever coming in. So if, if he pitches another inning and goes to like 105 or 110 pitches or something, then Trevor May is probably still coming in the game, and then Tyler Duffy probably still comes in the game. I don't know that the outcome is a lot different, but I do agree with you that it's a conservative move to pull him after 91 pitches when he looks, his command was a little shaky there, but like for the most part, he was navigating pretty well and he's your best pitcher. Exactly right. And, and, and he definitely um, started to struggle and got shaky in what in the, uh, in, in the fourth, but then he came back in the fifth and looked fantastic. And so, but my point is this, my point is, is not would that have won the game or not, Phil, it is, the lack of urgency of realizing that the season has shifted and changed. Yeah. That's what I don't understand. And and that's what, look, I mean, this game, it's a best of three. I mean, he, did abs- use, he, did, he did use four catchers today, so there was some urgency to and, get those and, guys. And, all, the and, by, and by the way, just real quick, honest to God, so Astadia is your choice to pinch hit when you knew exactly what he was going to do. And he is the world's greatest, aside from, Miguel, probably the world's greatest double play candidate out there, aside from Sano and me. Um, so uh, explain to me exactly why he is your choice to pinch hit there. I mean, like he's going to I just don't get that. But, yeah, it just it bothers me that I always feel like when we get to these games so far that Rocco actually goes backwards as far as strategy goes. And, and if I was a Twins fan, I'd be extremely frustrated and it's not the Yankees. It's the Astros, man. And Phil, I think you're a hundred percent right. It felt like in the top or in the bottom of the first that the Astros were up against the ropes and basically saying, punch us again, punch us again. And the twins yeah. are like, oh, 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 I don't know about that. <laughs> and this is how you lose. This is how you dude, lose home games like this. Dude, this is a broken down, battered Astros team that just wants to go home, man. Like they finished under 500. Their best hitters are all seeing huge drop-offs in productivity because they aren't cheating anymore. And Zach Greinke was just begging to give up five runs in the first couple innings, and like you couldn't do anything. It's it is honestly I don't I I hate to be the guy that like goes over the top and speaks in hyperbole, but it cannot be overstated how much of an embarrassment this is. This is the longest American sports postseason losing streak. In history. Yeah. Think about that. Let that soak into your pores for a second. It's a gigantic embarrassment, and it will live probably for decades, decades as a stain on Minnesota sports. Right? The, the Hawks the Hawks had this mark from 1975 to 79. Think about that. It got broke today. It's 2020. So how many more years until we can win three Stanley Cups in six years? Because that's, that's kind of, I'll, I'll take the Blackhawks plan if I know there's an end date and when this horrible streak can end. Is it ever going to end? Is it? I don't know. I mean, I'd like to think that, like, this is the crazy thing. I like to think that the Twins are still in line to win the series because the Astros just burned their two best starting pitchers today to guarantee that they would lock down that game. 
Uh, I think the Twins have an edge tomorrow with Jose Barrios, and I think they probably have an edge in Game 3 because Lance McCullers hasn't been great this season either. But, but Phil, if you they have to win hit, these two games now. And if they can't hit, who cares? They literally today just didn't hit. They, I, know. I mean, the, the starting point is not its not the pitching. The starting point is how does your offense go on the fritz this badly? So that's your uh, the Rock knows how you feel about pie. That's your Mackie and Judd pie chart of blame for a three Twins loss to the Astros. Only three pieces, pieces from Judd. We're Very both rare. blaming Polanco. We're both blaming the offense. Uh, also, since we are live right now on AM 1500 Score North Radio, not only are we going to be carrying many, many more postseason games through our ESPN Radio partnership. If you're wondering, oh, like Mackie and Judd, they're live right now, so you can find us Mackie and Judd on a daily basis on the Mackie and Judd podcast feed, Apple, Spotify, and scorenorth.com. You can subscribe to our podcast. We're pumping out daily content, and we're pumping out daily Vikings content as part of the Purple Daily podcast seven days a week during the season. Purple Daily on Apple, Spotify, scorenorth.com, and uh, our YouTube channels, youtube.com slash Podcast and youtube.com slash scorenorthmn. Judd, let's, let's, let's dust off the phone lines for the first time in a long time. Let's connect with the people here. Love it. And let's play thera- therapist. Let's go to <laughs> Sam. Now, the only rule here is don't swear and get us in trouble. Don't get us fired. Sam, you're on uh, You're on impromptu twins vent line here on Score North. I'm Mackie and Judd. Uh, just a couple things. Uh, I'm so frustrated with Rocco. He's uh, he, Obviously, I know it's his style to be calm and laid back, but he just doesn't. It's he, I miss Gardy. I miss Gardy getting fired up. And sometimes... <laughs> All season long, it's fine. I know it's a long season, and that's perfect fit for Rocco. But it's the playoffs, and there was times in that White Sox series, even though he came out and got ejected, it still seems like he seems too cool and collected. And then today, you know what? This isn't Little League anymore. Guys don't have pitch counts. Their dad's not in the stands. Let Tyler Duffy, you know, he went two innings, but let Trevor May go a little bit longer. Extend guys out. Kenta Maeda, he's a big boy. He's 30 years old. He can throw more than 100 innings. And then my second thing, too, is uh, a little frustrated. Josh Donaldson talking about how he gets to choose when he wants to play, blah, 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 calling the shots. Well, you know what? You just might have cost the Twins a playoff game because you and your big ego and, you know, you, you just got a big paycheck from the Twins, and you might have jeopardized a game for them because we you didn't get to be in the playoffs because you had to play and you weren't letting Rocco give you days off and stuff. So I'll hang up and listen. That is, uh, that's Sam coming out of the gate firing on – Josh Donaldson here, Judd. It's not often that you can baseball is is often a, a sport where the absence of a player is felt over the long haul. It's not something that necessarily pops up immediately with something quantifiable in one game. But in the seventh inning of that game today, mm-hmm. Maldonado hits a one hopper over to Marwin Gonzalez at third base. Not an easy play, but a one hopper with a slow runner to first base. And Marwin can't make the play. He tries to backhand it, it bounces off of his glove, and that puts runners on first and second with two outs. The game-tying single came about 30 seconds later to right. net it at one apiece. And that's a play I'm pretty confident, Judd, that, that Josh Donaldson makes and gets the Twins out of it. With two outs, it would have been the third out, and the Twins would have taken a one to nothing lead into the eighth inning. Agree completely, yeah. And, and that's the thing. I mean, I, I got tweets back as soon, soon as I did a thing about uh, Donaldson not playing in the series that basically said, well, he's been crappy at the plate. Who cares? That's not the point. The point is, defensively, this guy makes plays. This guy makes uh, fairly difficult plays look routine, right? And that was, as Gonzalez 
displayed, because he is certainly not, in my opinion, a train wreck at third base, but as Gonzalez displayed, Phil, that was sort of a difficult play that he couldn't make. Donaldson makes. It's a big deal. I mean, those are the exact type of plays why you signed Donaldson. And and look, I mean, there is no question that a big part of our conversation after the Twins lose 4-1 today, a big part of it is late in this game, the left side of the infield did not do its job. The Polanco play is egregious. I get that. Yeah. But I mean, th- those are those are two um, defensive plays that the 2019 Twins didn't necessarily make. The 2020 Twins, for the most part, made. And I think we had grown accustomed to those plays being made. And in this short of series, you shore up your defense for this. Like, this is why you do it. And uh, it's discouraging. It's it's yeah. and and it's not going to change. I mean, through no fault of his own, Gonzalez is going to be back at third base tomorrow. Uh, but that's probably a play that Donaldson can make. And my guess is, eight times out of ten, six times out, out of ten, Marwin's going to sort of struggle to make that play. Judd's at Target Field right now, and um, it's a it's an it's an eerie feeling for a playoff game to just have. It's funny at one point. Was it Carl Ravitch on the play-by-play? At one point, Carl Ravitch said it's eerily quiet right now after the Twins like couldn't score a run or whatever with runners on first and second. Eerily quiet at Target Field. I couldn't tell if he was being serious or if he forgot. Like, no, there's there's like eight fans there. Um, I I had this thought, Judd, and we'll get back. We got full phone lines here, and as soon as someone drops off, six five one six four six eight two five five. We're also popping people's comments up on the YouTube version of this. YouTube.com/slash Score North MN. If you want to see our ugly faces, but um, I had this this thought as we're watching this play out, and the Twins are unable to push runs across, and and defensive miscues are leading to more chances for the Astros. It's like we have literally been watching the same playoff game in slightly different clothing for 16 years. It's the same playoff game repeated. It's it is Groundhog Day. It's Bases are loaded with one out. This is the inning where the Twins finally score five runs and and just break free of these postseason chains. Nope. Strikeout, bat at bats, flares to right field, like just absolute groundhog day every single time we've watched a playoff game. And I thought to myself, when is the last time I felt or we felt watching the Twins in a postseason game fully comfortable and like, yeah, this is this is going great. Uh, I'm not super stressed out. I'm actually enjoying watching a Twins playoff game right now. Yeah, and uh, best as I can tell, you got to go back to Game Four of the 2002 American League Division Series when the Twins easily beat the Oakland A's 11 to two, setting up a Game Five in which they won. And that was a that was an absolute walk the plank game that made nobody comfortable. Mm-mm. But the last time the Twins had just a breezy, easy playoff victory was almost 18 years ago. Think mm-hmm. about that. That's nuts. Well, here's my question. When's the last time that you guys watched a Twins playoff game where the Twins themselves, so the players and manager, didn't seem burdened by the expectations of that game? Because to me, the repeating cycle here is, is and we could talk about it, making no sense, but the repeating cycle that I keep seeing now and, and have, um, and I used to think it was strictly because of the opponent being the Yankees, but what I see is people who look burdened by the assignment. They look Good. like it's too too much. But They but the should, pro- feel, they should the feel burdened is, at this point. But the, pro- but the problem is, is you if that's how you're going to play, that's a, that's a huge problem. You can't. 
You can't have the bases loaded in the bottom of the first. You're in your home ballpark. Where, by the way, you play great. The Astros are terrible on the road. And the Astros, to go back to the point, aren't that good. Like, you've got them on the ropes. And and you don't score. And honest to God, it feels like like down on the field from there to Woodbury to Edina, there's a collective, oh, my God. Oh, not again. Oh, here we go. And I can't explain it. And, and it permeates not just the twins, Phil. It permeates Minnesota sports as a whole. But if you don't feel it, I don't think you're taking the temperature of the sports state. Yeah. All right. Let's go back to the twins vent lines here. Justin, you're on with Mackie and Judd. Well, you said earlier that you weren't going to be the diabolical and hyperbolical guy, so I'll take on that role for you. I'm happy to do that. Please do, yes. First of all, welcome to Minnesota Insane Asylum. Why? Because as twins and in some ways Minnesota sports fans, we are all insane. The definition of insanity is continually doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different outcome. Any person who's disappointed right now is insane because you shouldn't be disappointed. I don't know what will happen first. The Vikings win an NFC championship game or the Twins just win a playoff game. You can make a poem out of that. I know it's overreaction, but that's not the point. I'm done with Rocco, and I know he's won the division twice. I don't care. I don't mind analytics. I remember Royce and Mackey back in the day arguing old school versus analytics. And the truth is there's room in the world for both. I don't need a guy who's programmed to always take the analytical approach. Sometimes you have to trust your gut. You have to use your eyes and see this is what's going on here. Yes, the Astros blew their first two pitchers. We just blew our best one and half our bullpen. Who's going to be available tomorrow beyond one inning? I don't know. All I'm saying is this. Occasionally, you have to be able to see what is happening and be able to adjust. And at the end of the day, I don't want – we could program a robot to do those things if all we're going to do is go off numbers. Not saying that they're not important, not saying that they don't provide good info, but once in a while, you don't have to be beholden to it. That's all I'm saying. Justin, that's a great phone call. We appreciate you, man. And I just want to piggyback Judd off something that Justin said there. He touched on the two different approaches that the Twins and the Astros took from a pitching perspective to win this game. The Astros, and I'm sure this was pre-planned, the Astros said, all right, Zach Greinke hasn't been amazing. Let's handcuff what turns out to be their second best starting pitcher this season in Valdez. Right. Let's handcuff him to Grinky. And I don't know that they went in thinking that Valdez was going to give them five scoreless to just, to just ride out the rest of the game. But they clearly said, let's try to get like seven or eight innings out of these two guys and just lock down game one. And then we'll figure out the rest of the games. And it worked. The Astros wind up holding the twins to one run. They got uh, five strikeouts from Valdez in his last five innings. And after walking a couple guys and just taking some time to settle in, he was great. The Twins, on the other hand, said, all right, let's go with a more standard approach. Let's bring Kent and Maeda in, and let's go with what we think are like our four best relievers in whatever order. Trevor May, Tyler Duffy, Taylor Rogers, and Sergio Romo. I would make a case that Tyler Clippard probably belongs in that mix at this point. Um, good on the Twins for matching Taylor Rogers up against a couple of lefties to get him just to some better matchups. I thought that was smart. But the question is now what do they, uh, do they do starting tomorrow when they might not be able to tap into this line of relievers anymore? And I think it's as simple as Jose Barrios and Jake Odorizzi. You ride those two guys tomorrow and you try to do what the Astros did to you with Granky and Valdez. And if you have to turn to relievers, Tyler Clippard, the first guy out of the gate, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I probably don't pitch any of these other guys unless I absolutely have to and save them for a potential game three. Um, that's what I would do. I would go Barrios, Odorizzi, and see what happens, Judd. Can I, can I give you right now the state of, of um, sports in this town? I, I mean, to me, what I'm about to say really paints the perfect picture of where things are at when it comes to playoffs and Minnesota's major sports teams outside of the links. You got done today by Dusty Baker's management of a bullpen over yours. Think about that. <laughs> like Dusty, oh, Baker, Dusty Baker is one of the most notorious, and I guess he's a great guy, and look, he's had success. But if we were to sit here and, and sort of laugh and rank managers who have been around a long time and misuse of pitching, starting pitching, and bullpen, right? Dusty Baker is top probably three. And Dusty Baker's plan, or the Astros' plan as a whole today, completely did you in. Think about that for a second. Like, mm-hmm. that is saying, that that is not a joke. That is saying a lot. Because the Astros' plan uh, to handcuff two starters together worked out masterfully, and, and you burn through your bullpen to where, Phil, you're right. Tomorrow it's what? Barrios, maybe Clippard, Odorizzi. I don't think Dobnik, but I don't know with these guys. But the point being is, yeah, I mean, Dusty Baker and the Astros, who aren't good and can't, for the most part, manage a bullpen, outdid you. And that also goes back to one very important thing. Your offense stunk. Like, your offense can't be this bad. Dude, well, how, is it, how is it possible? Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring this up again, just because people are jumping in and out here. We're live on Score North Radio. We're live on the Score North app right now. And on YouTube.com slash ScoreNorthMN if you want to subscribe to uh, more content. The Twins haven't scored more than four runs offensively in a playoff game since October 9th, 2004. And that includes lineups like 2006 where they had the batting champion. They had the MVP. They had Torrey Hunter and Michael Kadir with career seasons. Mm-hmm. That includes lineups like 2010 where you had Jim Tomey and Joe Maurer and all these other dudes just up and down your lineup. You had Delman Young career year in 2010, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it includes the greatest home run hitting team in the history of baseball last year. Couldn't score more than four runs in a playoff game. Like, what is it? Like, we can sit here and we can we can sharpen our pencil and we can chew on our nails about the bullpen and whether Rocco should have done this or that. And so how about score seven runs against a team that wants to be done? Just score seven runs. What are you doing? You went into a bandbox last year, last fall, a complete bandbox. Like, like it encourages scoring. It's, it's, it's a joke. The right field porch is right there and you couldn't, score yeah no i mean this is this to me is the, the starting point though if you're going to talk about one thing off today's game it's the fact that you had the astros on the ropes early had every opportunity to score five runs and basically they would go away and be done and you couldn't do a thing you couldn't do an a thing let's go to the vent lines here twins vent line mackie and judd and larry you're up next man twins lose Oh, my God. I'm hot, fellas. I got a laundry list here, most of which has already been covered. But <laughs> you know Maeda is effectively done for the series after today. What are you saving him for? Yeah, yeah dude, I mean. And then yeah, yeah. starting pitching, it, the fact that Rocco 
seems to be so satisfied with starting pitching, getting no more than 15 outs per game. It's so frustrating. That game had a very real chance of going into extras. I mean, it was tied in the ninth inning. And it didn't, but now the Astros, to your point, Phil, their bullpen is positioned much better than the Twins are for the next two days. Now, the Garver for Jeffers move, why? <laughs> Jeffers, was one yeah. of the, Jeffers was one of the few Twins, and it, it had got him twice because Jeffers was one of the few Twins taking competitive at-bats after the first inning today. He had, what, two balls over 100 miles per hour off the bat. It made no sense in the seventh, and then it hamstrung the Twins when it came to the ninth. Yep, that was not to, sorry to cut you off, but like I think what you just nailed. I, I could I could sit here and maybe agree a little bit with Kenta Maeda one way or the other. I agree with you, Larry, and that when on the Maeda front, if you if you pull him after five innings, you are now opening up for an additional reliever, an additional reliever that you might not trust in a situation. So I I'm with you on that. But on the on the Garver for Jeffers front, that felt like a classic case of I need to do something as a manager, so I'm going to do this. And it's like Mitch Garver has been a deer in the headlights all season, all season. Like what made the twins believe that Mitch Garver was going to be a better at bat in that spot than a guy who just hit a line drive to left in his last plate appearance. Like it was overmanaging for the sake of overmanaging, even though I am a Rocco guy, you nailed it, Larry. Totally trying to fix a problem that wasn't there. And Buxton, as much as we all love him, as much as we know, he's the, he's the game changer. After the first inning, he regressed to the old broken-down buck yep. where he may as well start every at-bat 0-2. And, and what was it, the sixth inning? He had a critical at-bat. Marwin and Arise, back-to-back walks to start the inning, and then Buck comes up, swings for the downs on a pitch that he misses by two feet that wasn't anywhere near the zone. And all of a sudden, he's down 0-1 and goes on to whiff and totally changed that inning. I'm also, I'm done with Rosario. I can't wait for Kirilov to replace him. He grounds out in the ninth and doesn't even leave the box. Nice body language. What a clown. Here's a guy, Ed Rosario. He's played at Target Field for six years. And he doesn't even know the ground rules. Christ, Tony, I don't understand it. Yeah, there's the, Larry, that, that's a great call, man. Larry, we're going to get to some of the calls here. But, Judd, what did you think? Let me let me bring up a, a a hot take here. Okay, this this might be this might be over the top. I might be reading into it too much, but yep. The the main criticism that you have had of Rocco Baldelli over the last couple of years is that he lets players be players, and that's great. And everyone can sort of just be comfortable. And if you want to take batting practice, you can. And he's and he's fostering this sort of empowering clubhouse where he just lets he, he's not going to run a tight ship and just be a drill sergeant, right? Mm-hmm. And and the consequence of that is Eddie Rosario makes these ridiculously dumb plays and makes base running gaffes and drops fly balls because he's you know doing the lazy one armed approach and Rocco doesn't really approach him about it because that's just Eddie being Eddie and like it's it's not going to do any good to talk to him. Um, I had the same kind of feeling when Jorge Blanco fields that ball and just half assed flips it sidearm from his hip pocket over to Luis Arias rather than just like, rather than get in the Tommy Mansky, you know, guaranteed fundamental position and square yourself up. Like is some of this a little too loosey goosey for you? I don't think I, I think in July for the most part, it's fine. I think where we run into a problem consistently with the Rocco teams now that we've seen in the four playoff games is very simple. And it starts with him 
but it then goes to his players. I don't think that there is an honest acknowledgement or realization that things have changed. And so Polanco very much today made a play that if it gets, that if Arise drops that ball or can't get to that ball in July, we're all like, well, that's a bad play. Oh, well, you know, I'm going to have another beer. I don't really care. It's July. But unfortunately, I don't think that there's ever a proper sense of urgency by now, and there has to be. And, and yes, I think it's it sends a bad message ultimately when when I think Rosario gets talked to, but when he, there you know he never gets pulled. There's never any evident pushback of no, we need you to do, do this. You're a veteran player on whom we rely upon, and so I you know I'm not asking for six months of that because it doesn't work. But what I am asking for is a step to show urgency in these games. And today, Phil, again, did not feel like it ever. This felt that if, if you if you had um, sat down and watched this game without a date or acknowledgement of the game, I think you probably would have said when it got done, game seventy five. Yeah, and that's and that's how the game felt. Absolutely, like it. That's a it problem. is. Like, I keep going back to that Polanco play because it is just unfathomable to me how you can be that casual and that people are using the word lazy. Like, I don't I don't think he I, I certainly don't think of him as a lazy baseball player. I think he's I think he's a grinder and a, and a good baseball player. But in that moment, when your pitcher is on the ropes and he and he gets that bouncing ball to you. And the bouncing ball part of it was the toughest part of it. And you've accomplished that part of it. You scoop that ball before it takes the, the hop into the outfield. Yep. How do you not take the extra second to care for that ball like it's an egg about to hatch? You know? Like, how do you just, like, flip that ball from your hip, laissez-faire? Like, that's, that is unbelievable and unforgivable if you're a Twins fan right now and they go on to lose this series. But it's how this works, and it's the it's the maddening thing. Um, I will say this that I just don't get to. I don't understand the the complete trust that seems to be present with the manager in Romo. I just don't get it. I don't get it. Clippers I'm not better. saying yes, and, better. I, and, and I'm not saying he can't pitch. But here's what's weird. So So the rest and relaxation thing, in in Rocco's life is huge, right? I want to get my players. But when it comes to Gonzalez and Romo, it's like it goes out the window. And I don't understand that. And with those Sergio, guys, need, those guys could use some rest the next couple of days. Just let yeah, them <laughs> exactly. But but explain it to me. Explain explain why explain why Sergio is treated like he is at the very least a borderline all-star. I honestly don't get that one. Yeah. Uh, let's go to who's been holding the longest here. Scott, you're on Twins Vent Line with Mackie and Judd. Uh, I just had two questions. Did, did the Twins lose the series here, or do they have two more games? Now they might have won more games, Scott. I, I point point taken. You've switched into panic mode, both of you. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I would say I would say that's I'm accurate, but also, but also, like, is there anything that would lead you to not panic right now? Scott, they, they talk us off the again. ledge. Talk well, us off the if, ledge. If if they have another if uh, if they have another game like this one here, then you know obviously I think there's something wrong with the manager and the whole system. But I I think I have a little bit of faith in the team. And that, my only other question is, are you going to have uh, Royce on today? That's funny you say that. 
because he's uh, I think he is standing by. Is he coming in here? Is he no, I think he's lurking no. around Target Field. I'm looking at him right now. Gun. He's oh, right across you. the hall from me, right down the thing. <laughs> yeah, he is gonna he is gonna call in here in a second. All right, I'll let actually, you oh, that's him right here. Is that's that him, him right he's here? On. Yeah, he, I okay. can see him All on right. the phone. All right, Scott, I'm gonna put you on hold so you can hear the rest of, of this here. Patrick Royce, you are on yeah. uh, you are on a live edition of Mackie and Judd Twins Vent Line, and uh, the Twins have lost every postseason game they've played since 2004. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that is uh, true. Uh, I, you know, I like to go back and uh, point to, uh, you know, the game two in uh, 2004 is the start of it, but it really started with Juan Rincon giving up the three-run homer to Ruben Sierra because that was game four. They were going to go back to New York, and as Gardy uh, announced to the team before that game four, we're going to beat their ass today. We're going to go to New York, we're going to beat them again, and we're going to date their women, he said. <laughs> uh, but then Ruben, then uh, Wani gave up the home run to Ruben Sierra, and that game uh, went out the window, and uh, they uh, haven't won one since. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, uh, I, you know, I, date might not have been the word he used, but I'm, I'm trying to give the message, that the, the, the fun-loving message that the formerly fun-loving manager offered. But, uh, yeah. Uh, people are mad at Sergio. I cannot be mad at Sergio. Yeah. Uh, Sergio gave up two hits to start the game, uh, to start his inning. One was a bloop. The second one was a bloop. And then he toughens up, gets two guys out, and uh, gets their uh, number one clutch hitter in the history of the Houston Astros when it comes to postseason, George Springer. They hit a nice ground out to shortstop, and a lot of throws it away. And now you're facing four foot eight uh, Jose Altuve, and you miss strike three by a couple of centimeters, and uh, it's two to one. So uh, that's uh, you know I can't uh, I can't blame him for. I'm not a big Sergio fan, but I can't blame him for this one. This this happens with uh, feeble feeble hitting, and I got to say one thing: I didn't get a bad feeling about this game until the bottom of the first <laughs> when Grinky uh, threw when Grinky threw thirty pitches and still was aim, unable to convince the Twins to score a run. So, uh, you know, I also had a bad day today. Uh, the guy who's been great for him and just came back. Buxman, oof. Yeah, heck Those of a bad strikeouts in bad situations. How about, how about you see, you see Framber Valdez come in. You got runners, you got runners on base. Framber Valdez is throwing breaking balls everywhere. And Byron Buxton, like just doesn't have the patience to let him, let him go two and yeah. one on you. Let him like, he's not throwing yeah. strikes. Fran Mill throws the walks the first two guys he faced and uh and I don't think uh let's see, then he retired the next nine, I believe, right? And did yes. he give up uh he finally gave up a hit in the ninth two hits in the ninth inning, but he went uh, he did not uh what he give up uh one hit before the ninth inning, then he gave up a couple, but uh he looked pretty good and uh just more evidence that anyone who would uh, have to play the twins and that would seem to be Houston one more game, but uh, uh, watch to break out those lefties because they're pathetic against left-handed pitching. Yep, yep. Uh, Pat, I, I threw this number out to Judd, but just just to throw it out for like the third time on the show here today, uh, the offensive futility also date back to 2004. The last time the Twins scored more than four runs in a playoff game was October 9th, 2004. Wow, which now which one was that? That was game. Was that that was the uh, that was the clincher. They yeah. got they got beat six to five yeah. in the clincher. Six to five. I think they were ahead five two, right? 
Yeah. When they uh, gave, I think they were at five two in that game. Yeah, that's when it. Uh, that's when it all went bad. But we now have the record uh, here, uh, Minnesota. Here we now have it by four games rather than three. So uh, we're getting getting an even firmer grasp on the most losses in a row in uh, in postseason history. It's the seventeen now. The previous record was thirteen. So, yeah. Pat, that, Pat. Uh, that's good. We, we, yes, it's the most defeats right now in major sports in North American history. Period. Seventeen is the oh, most yeah. North American history. What was the? Uh, I think that's we. Uh, twins the already Hawks. held that one too. Right? Yes. Well, no. Oh, the, the, twin, the, the Twins tied the, the uh, seventy-five to seventy-nine Blackhawks, uh, and Twins were tied going into today. And now the Twins can proudly say that they are all alone and hold the record. Well, that's uh, that's something. You know, I think we'll have a parade for that one. But uh, and I'll tell you one thing: we can't blame our friend Kate Ton- Tonley. Tonley. <laughs> Uh, Townley, Townley, Kate Townley, <laughs> Kate Townley for this defeat because you know they let too many people in, and Kate was uh, down in front of the press box and waving her hanky and screaming all day long uh, to the point I was going to call security and say we we liked it better when there were no fans. <laughs> but uh, but uh, if the Twins would have tried as hard as she did, they would have won the game today. But uh, they did not, and uh, I don't know. You know, when you look at the two lineups. It's not a surprise who won. I I like uh, the way the, the the Twins are swinging the bats right now. I like I like Houston's lineup more than I like the Twins. So I mean, you know, yeah, but like Altuve, Altuve is not Altuve. He's, no, he's hitting two seventeen or something, and Correa has had a bad bad run too. But yeah. uh, uh, but still, they're uh, you know they're, they're guys that uh, they're guys that have done well and. Uh, I, in fact, I wrote an early blog today about recalling the uh, series in 2017 when there were no garbage cans or buzzers, uh, and they scored 40 runs in uh, three games against the Twins. Remember that one? Yeah, that's right. Uh, 80, uh, 84 total bases in three games. <laughs> it was pretty runs. impressive, yes. Yes, it was very good. These guys can hit. These guys can hit. And uh, they can't hit like they used to, apparently, but they can hit. And, uh uh, you know what? Almost from the get-go, they had a better look to them than the Twins did. I, I think our boys are tense. I think they're, uh, as uh, as we used to say, uh, puckered up. I really do think they are. You, they always say, well, it's not, you know, they're not the ones with the 16-game losing streak. Yeah, they well, are. But they are now. They had the last three. And they are. They had the last three, and some they of them were the, record. For the one in 17. Yeah. And they, yeah, they did. And they looked, they looked at today. They did not, uh, they did not look loose, but, uh, Jorge, oof, what was that? I just, I can't believe that play. That's yeah, just awful. That's just absolute carelessness. Yeah. It's, and, uh, yeah, and now boys, ahead, and now boys game two, which could be the clincher for the Strohs tomorrow. You got Jose Barrios with the season on the line. That's going to be interesting. Uh, That's going to be really interesting. Pitching for the other team, I don't even know who's pitching for the other team. So, uh, they, yeah, but, they're, uh, I got it here. They're going to run out. He's made five career major league starts. His name is Jose Urquidy. Yeah. Okay. Or, I'm sorry. He made five starts well. this year. He this might be a second year. But Jose Urquidy. He's he's yeah. been okay. I mean, they've got a bunch of guys like that to just kind of come in and they're just good starters and you've heard of them and they're kind of a factory. Well, Ho- Jose will not have to. Will, will have to try not to have his heart going like a hummingbird. It's a little wired up, and uh, I don't know. I'm, I know I don't know what to think tomorrow. I'm not terribly 
pessimistic about him or optimistic. I'm kind of neutral and we'll see, see how he throws the ball. Yep. You know, so, but, uh, I wasn't impressed with Rocco's managing today. I Agreed. think he should have gotten an extra inning, out, either an extra inning out of Maeda or an extra inning out of May. May threw 11 pitches, blew them away. You're already dipping into your bullpen. Uh, they are not dipping into theirs. Uh, they're, why not run him back out there for 14 more pitches and have him pitch two scoreless innings? Then you still got Duffy, Rogers, and, uh, and then you don't have to, uh, you know, he was getting in the situation where he goes to extra innings. He's got Cody Stashak, right? Yes. Or Oda Rizzi was warming up. Hey, hey Patrick. Hasn't pitched in months. Pat, why do you think yeah. that Rocco's mentality as far as game strategy goes does not seem to change one bit when you get to the playoffs? That I don't understand. Uh, I don't either. And if I hadn't lost him on the Zoom call, I was going to ask him. But <laughs> I lost him. So. <laughs> He was done. I, I had it there for a while. I thought I was really ready, and then uh, something happened, and I hit the wrong button, and that was it. So, uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of people think I hate in this country. One of them is the President of the United States, another one's Zoom. So, uh, those, are, those are two things. Those are right, and those are right at the top of my list. If I hadn't lost them on the Zoom call, sounds like a, it sounds like a Mount Rushmore for a future yeah. a future race. Like <laughs> Right. Yeah, the Zoom and Zoom and me are not friends. That's for sure. But uh, yeah, it's uh, well, it's uh, it's it's it is amazing though. These guys are like evil now. They went thirty six and twenty four, and they uh, overcame incredible numbers of injuries. And they, I think, they had their regular lineup twice, and that will be the final stat because Donaldson's not going to play. But you lose two straight here, you are bums. Yeah. Yep. Well, Pat, um, we'll we'll do it again tomorrow. Meanwhile, the Vikings got a break. They might not have to play this week, so that's good. Yeah. They, well, they might they might get a push back to Monday. We'll They're close tomorrow. Close Maybe tomorrow. Deshaun Watson gets quarantined and they can pick up a, a victory. <laughs> hey. Okay. All right, boys. All right. See, See you, pal. That's uh, wrapping with Roycey is what we usually call it on the Mackie and Judd show. By the way, Mackie and Judd, we are we're doing this live Twins post game special here, and you can find our daily podcast on Apple, Spotify, and Scornorth.com or the Scornorth app. And you can find our seven day a week Vikings podcast, Purple Daily, with Mackie and Judd on those same platforms: Apple, Spotify, Scornorth.com, and uh, YouTube.com/slash Purple Podcast, YouTube.com/slash ScornorthMN. Uh, let's uh, let's see here. Go to, Linda. Go to Linda. Linda. Yes. Linda, you're on Twins Ventline. What's up, friend? Hi, guys. Hi. I've got three points that I've been thinking about, and I'll add one, a fourth one, and after what uh, I got to hear Patrick say. The first point is, can you tell me any other sports team where you have two professional sports teams in this whole world where on the same day the Twins set the record for the longest playoff losing streak and the Vikings get – shut out of being able to practice because they get the team they played had COVID. So we shut down two teams. I mean, on the same day. And that's who beat you, Linda. That's the worst part. Yeah. The Titans, the Titans were sick and they still beat you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the second point is, you know, when a professional sports team has to get all hyped up by using the robes, 
there's something wrong to start with. <laughs> oh, you're, you're anti-robe. Linda, I love it. No, Linda. I'm not anti-robe. I'm anti... <laughs> when you have to use that and you're being paid all these bucks, boom, you know. Uh, I, I just think that you better take your job a little more serious like that. Third point is, who is the best cornerback in the National Football League? Xavier Rhodes. <laughs> you know, another kick of the teeth to the Vikings. And the good point is, I figured there was no way Patrick could ever figure out how to do a Zoom call. At least he can get on there. So, <laughs> so that's it, boys. I expect we're done after tomorrow because of the way the manager handled the pitching staff. And, um, you know, Dusty went back to the old-fashioned way and out outthought him and outdid him and so on. That's just the way 2020 is going to go. So have a good one. All right, Linda, we appreciate it. And uh, it's good to hear your voice again. Linda was a regular caller on Vikings Vent Line, which uh, Vikings Vent Line is still taking place right after Vikings games on youtube.com slash Purple Daily Podcast. Who else we got here? Travis. Let's go to Travis. Uh, Judd's at Target Field. Travis, you're on Twins Vent Line with Mackie and Judd. Hey guys, I haven't called you in a while. I think the last time I called you was about the Timberwolves. Um, so I'm obviously going to keep this PG. I'm upset. I'm frustrated. But at the same time, I'm not surprised because this is just what, well, any Minnesota sports team does, whether it comes to the playoffs or, well, yeah, basically just the playoffs. It's just disappointment. Um, and I watched the uh, bottom of the first inning, and they had bases loaded. It absolutely it reminded me of not just last year, but the uh, first uh, playoff series in Target Field in 2010 when the Twins would have bases loaded, and they'd either get one run or no runs. And it's just, I I can't understand how the, the offense just disappears like that. I even with the hitting coach being gone, you know, it's like, it, where does it go? Like, I, I don't understand it. Even yeah. though I know pitching is the biggest thing when it comes to the, to the playoffs, especially obviously for baseball, but it, like, it just, it, it just boggles my mind, you know, and, that, and the conservative decisions by Baldelli taking out Maeda in the fifth inning. And I mean, and then when Romo came into the ninth, I just knew. I knew it. I, I knew he was either going to give a broad run or he was, or something was just going to happen. And it led to bases loaded and him, Romo giving up basically two runs and that error, error by Polanco. It's just like, it's nothing new. It's nothing new. It's, 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 it's like you expect it, but you don't want to expect it. And you're still disappointed by it. Just like just like the Vikings game on Sunday, like <laughs> just 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 like the Vikings game on Sunday, they had the lead in the first half. It's like, well, we still got a second half to go, and then and then uh, uh, Kirk Cousins has that final drive, and then the ball goes over his head, and it's just like, well, that's perfect. And, but I'm not surprised. I'm upset. But I'm not surprised. You know, it's just so incredibly frustrating. And now they have to win. Two straight games, three, whatever, whatever it is, two straight games, just to move on, and it's just like I'm going to watch it tomorrow, and I'm going to have my hope, but I'm obviously sure I'm going to have my hopes dashed because that's just yeah. what it is. This is I had I had someone Travis and and Judd too. I had someone ask me, "Hey, so are people must be excited about the way the Vikings started? So people must be super excited about this Twins playoff thing? It's like is it is it just like what's the buzz like?" And I said, honestly, there is no buzz. 
they're because, the same. Because people are just people are literally just waiting for the twins to do something beyond what they've already done for 16 years. Like people have already seen this division championship and that's great. Like division championships are great and and we'll definitely take them. Yep. But until the twins actually take a step forward and win a game in a series, people aren't going to get into this. Just just win a playoff game. Just just win one game. Just just, Just just win one playoff. Just one, you know, just one playoff game. And then, Hey, maybe, but, you know, this just keeps continuing and continuing and continuing. The last time that they won a playoff game, I was in eighth grade. <laughs> Those were the days, I bet. I was 11, yeah. if it makes you feel better, man. I was oh, 11 yeah. years old. Like, my goodness. You know, like. I love how Tra- Travis's voice in the three minutes he's been on has gone up like nine octaves just because he's <laughs> apoplectic <laughs> about this. He's reflecting on sports you know, fan in the for second state. You know, the thing is, is that I love this sport. I, uh, I'm a Vikings fan, I'm a Twins fan, and, and I, will, I will continuously watch this team. I will continue, you know, any team that I'm a fan of, the Vikings, Twins, Silver, that be it, college basketball, college football, whatever, so on and so forth, I will always continuously watch them, even if it's just a disappointing season. But when you have a season, you know, like the, like the Twins had last year, it's like, oh, my God, it, you know, 307 home runs. You know, yeah, okay, you got to play in Yankee Stadium, but then it's like, well, hey, maybe, just maybe, you know, it's a, you know, different players, you know, they don't care about the streak that was currently going on, you know, from uh, uh, 2010 onwards, you know, the, the wild card game against the Yankees, you know, it's like each time the Twins would score five runs, the Yankees would score six runs. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, know what? You've hit on something, Travis. That the, the, that the players don't care about the streak, right? That's the that's the talk every single time this comes up. Since it became a thing, uh, I don't know. It probably became a thing in like 2010. But like, it's it's a new clubhouse. These players don't. That's a media fan thing. BS. And these guys know about the streak. Yeah. They care about the and streak. I'll, and I and will it, tell and you, it eats at them too. And I will tell you exactly when it paralyzed them because I saw it. Clubhouse Yankee Stadium last fall. They were asked yeah. about it continually, and they and you could see the problem is because they're human beings. They had to process it, and for every one of the players who, who basically didn't care, which is some some vapid vacant people just don't care. You had got you got guys on this team who are smart guys, and guess what? If I if I go up to you in New York, where where it's like seventeen fold of media, television, newspapers, right? And every one of those people says, "But, but what about the streak?" You could tell me you don't care all you want, but guess what? You start to think about that. And guess who else in that clubhouse is a very smart guy who is now thinking long and hard about this streak and will never admit to it, Rocco Baldelli. I guarantee I guarantee it. But I mean I saw I saw the the brains in that clubhouse of the smart guys churning and it was not a it was not a we don't care. It was a I'm telling you I don't care. But what's that streak again? Yeah, and I saw it last year, and now, and the problem now is this is four games. This is their streak. This is, their, and but th- that's yeah. why that's why today's game I think was absolutely paramount because they need a win to end the streak. Forget a series right now, right? Forget, Just about, forget about a series. Think about they, one they game. Win to forget about yeah. it. You've got the bases loaded in the first. Let's say yep. you get a triple, okay? Let's say you score yeah. five runs. Let's say you win today convincingly six to three. All right. The streak is done at that point. Now you can yep. go on and be concerned about the first round and hell, let's talk about the ALDS and ALCS. But until you get one bleeping win, it doesn't matter. 
and it's a big deal. And don't you know? So I'm just I'm so tired of saying not 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 to mention, and I, I hate to interrupt you, Judd, but that that challenge by Baldelli should never happen. Even if even if you know even if they thought that there was a chance, even there wasn't. It was Chanel was clearly out. I don't understand why I even bother. I'm wasting a challenge on that when they might have needed it later on in the game. Obviously they didn't, but you know it's like you he's out. What's the point of challenging that? Are you like are you afraid that you're only going to get one run? You know I don't I didn't understand that at all. Period. I you know like I said the the, the Romo decision for him to come in my taking out Maeda way too early. Maeda was pitching a great game, even though he had bases loaded, he got out of it. Yeah. You know I just it, this is great. You know like we we don't normally like. Travis, this is great, man. Like ordinarily, a couple minutes we probably no, boot you I, off, I, but dude, I'm, like I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, guys. This is great. Just, I want I, I, Travis. Great, man. Travis is just going to host. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I quit. I'm actually going to leave. Travis, I quit. you're great. Hey, guys, I, I, I love. Hey, I wish I had you guys' job on. Yeah, I love. <laughs> I love what you guys do because like, I love you. The reason up on what you guys, you know, have to say or what you have to say over a podcast, but like I just, it's just so frustrating. And yeah. it's the thing, like I said, even though it's frustrating. You still go out there. You still watch the game on TV. You still go to Target Target Field. You go to you know you go, you go to U.S. Bank Stadium. You, you do whatever, but you just you, you come up with the same same damn thing. I'm sorry, same thing. I apologize. No, you're good. good. No, that one's fine. Yeah, you, can say, you can say damn. And Travis, thanks for coming on, dude. <laughs> and uh, hey, hey call back tomorrow. All right. Because well, yeah, uh, hey, whatever I, whatever I, happens I, tomorrow is. And uh, you know what, Phil and Dex, if we had a team in this town, uh, a men's professional team that could take the mantle and run with it, right? If we had one team, if it was the Twins or the Vikings or the Wild or, yes, I'm sort of joking here, the Wolves. But if we had one team that was consistently successful and it was organized in the playoffs and looked good and didn't lose on weird games, I think then the rest of the team's struggles would be frustrating, but they'd be palatable in a different way. I think the problem here is every time a team seems to get good in this town or really good, they find a way to mess it up. And and I, I honestly feel for sports fans here because, you know, if you just had one team where, okay, the, the Vikings have won championships or the Twins had won a championship beyond 1991 when most people who are probably listening to this show right now weren't even born, all right? Then it would be like, okay, it stinks that the Vikings don't win more, but the Twins win a lot and the Twins get to the playoffs and the Twins look great. Nobody does that. Nobody does that. They all find different ways. The Wolves are incompetence at its highest form. The Wild could get to playoffs, but then it would get taken out in the first round, second round the most. You know, the Twins now this. And and that's where I completely empathize with the sports fan in this town who probably is basically just saying, give me one team that looks like it can get to a postseason and know what it's doing. Yeah, I. Uh, it's it shouldn't be too much to ask for, but it here we be. are. And I just want one more point on this whole, like, well, I mean, this team doesn't care about what happened in 2004 and 6 and 10 and 9 and 10 and 17 or whatever. So I know this is a bit of an apples to oranges example, but the Chicago Cubs went 108 years between World Series wins. And at some point it became a thing. Like it became a thing. I don't know if it became a thing after 50 years, if in the 50s, if Ernie Banks came along in the 60s. Like I know it was a thing for sure in the 80s and the 90s and in the 2000s. And you're telling me when a new player free agent signs with clubs or a new manager jumps on board. You're telling me that that manager isn't thinking at all times, like during big games, 
boy, uh, be really disappointing if we continued to streak another year. I mean, like it absolutely creeps into your head and it absolutely, the ownership of it falls on you because you're a player now. And so I think, I, I mean, I don't, I don't mean to like pile on extra pressure, but ultimately you are a twins player. You are a twins manager. You are a twins general manager, whatever it may be. The history of the franchise and all of the baggage also comes along with your job. And so I think to, to act like it's not, it's not a thing that concerns you is BS. Like it's not, I'm not saying you should dwell on it or that you should be like crippled by it. But I think, I think there might be something to, to be said for like ignoring it and brushing it off. Like it's nothing is also doing the service. So that's my two cents on it. I just think it's BS Judd. And I, I also think that baggage in baseball is like baggage in no other sport because it's such a a sport that's laden with its history, right? And I'll I'll take you back on your Cubs point. So the Cubs had a pretty significant division lead in late in the 1969 season in the, at the time, National League East over the Mets. And that's the whole game where a black cat ran in front of Ron Santo in the on-deck circle in Shea Stadium, and the Cubs absolutely collapsed and choked. And that's the point in time where the Cubs' lack of getting to the playoffs and World Series titles became a big deal. Fast forward 1984, best three of five. They're playing the Padres in the first round at the time. They are up, and they crushed them in game one, 2-0 on the Padres. They go to San Diego needing to win one of three. They get swept, okay? Mm -hmm. At that point in time, I don't care that Ryan Sandberg and that whole crew and Sutcliffe hadn't played on the Cubs, you know, in fact, they acquired Sutcliffe at the trade deadline in June of that year. So he had no real history at all guess what it made a difference still so i think to especially in baseball to brush off your history is to ignore something that actually and this might sound weird i think it actually puts a bigger burden on your back by trying to ignore it um instead of acknowledging it and and not celebrating it but at least being cognizant publicly because privately you definitely are um but at some point in time here the really sad thing is the Twins need to win a playoff game. Like if they if they win tomorrow and lose on Thursday, okay, it's going to stink. They deserve criticism, but at least the streak I'll is done. It. No, I know, and that's and that's it. a pathetic and that's a pathetic thing for me to say. <laughs> but I really believe that what Dex just said it one hundred percent represents a, a lot of the sports fans in this town, which is they lost the series, but at least. They won a game. It's the ultimate Charlie Brown sand in the face. Lucy takes the football away at the last second. But I truly believe that the Minnesota sports fan wants this baseball team to win one game. I uh, I actually still think they can win the series. I don't, I, don't, I, don't think, I don't think it's over. I think they can win back-to-back games against a team that's, quite frankly, not that great. Like, they're not a bad team, but this this is not the same Astros team we've seen in years past. They can still win these next two games. Yeah. But I'm just like... I'm just mortified by the fact that this is now the longest losing streak, postseason losing streak in the history of American professional sports. It's just mind-boggling. Real quick, on the radio side, you guys are listening to AM 1500 KSTP, Minneapolis, St. Paul. It is Score North Radio. And, Judd, we're going to wrap this thing. We appreciate everyone hanging out with us on the YouTube page, youtube.com slash scorenorthmn. Please subscribe. And uh, just know that you can find us, Mackie and Judd, every single day in podcast form and a condensed version between five and six o'clock on the radio. But um, 
Yeah, this was uh, this was a good episode of Twins Ventline here. Actually, you know what? Do we have one more? Yeah, we got one more. I think this is Dan, Dan real quick. All right, sorry, Dan, go ahead, man. You're gonna you're gonna wrap it up for us on Twins Ventline. Phil, I was just gonna give you credit for coming over to the side of science and reason and and uh, reality, <laughs> and then you go ahead and say the Twins are gonna come back and win the series. <laughs> I, I, I didn't guarantee it. I like, said like, I think they can. Literally, I listen to the show all the time, and all late last summer and early fall, I rolled my eyes when you projected us easily moving past the Yankees and making all sort of noise. And then I wanted to say I told you so. And then today, after listening to the last hour, I feel like you're the kid, the last kid in kindergarten to figure out that Santa doesn't exist. And <laughs> I just want to virtually hug you on behalf of all realistic twin fans. And then you go and say that, it's like, this guy just deserves what he gets. So, That's no, probably fair. Not probably really, fair. But, but seriously, the, the one thing I want to say, because you guys do a great job, is this thing very Stewie and uh, why is Williams Ostadio considered the 2020 Randy Bush? Why does he keep coming to pinch hit when we need base runners? We need the guy that has a small chance of maybe even taking a walk. Yeah. If he can't hit this guy's top two percent curveball, and, and I just that stuff just drives me crazy. I'd rather have a Vila hit or somebody that you know Ostadio is just going to be even worse than Buxton in terms of swing at the first pitch he sees and it's not going to be a strike it's super the, frustrating the only thing i can think of is that uh, a you, you always need that fourth catcher it's always key in a series <laughs> yeah. and b is it possible that hey he, he makes a lot he does make a lot of contact and if they need a situ- if there's a situation where you just need a guy to put a ball in play but right yeah, which, like, which which my my uh, my retort to that is uh a strikeout actually would have been better there than a full play yeah. it doesn't have a lot of home run pop it just it just seemed like, well, he doesn't run fast. There's nothing good is going to happen here. So just kind of the cherry on the Sunday to a, I got a question. terrible Twins performance. Why, yeah. why, would you, why would you not have Lamont Wade Jr. up on the roster? Because he's going to take far more professional at-bats than Ostadia. Exactly. And, I agree. And, and, and he can play first base, too. So he's not a, he's not a mess. Um, I don't get that one. I mean, I mean, I mean they, you're, you're not really thinking Ostadia is going to get a three-run homer, but at least it's a walk, gets yes. another guy on base, and yes. just to put a guy on who you know there is zero percent chance this guy's walking, you know, and he's he's even worse than Rosario when it turns in terms of the scouting report is now out on him that you don't have to throw him a strike, so why would you? And the guy has thrown five straight shutout innings of not throwing any strikes, and we're getting ourselves out. It just seemed like yeah, we just let's just end the game this way. It's pretty fitting, you know. Yep. Dan, we appreciate your insight, man. And I, I, I agree. I do deserve what I get here. They're going to get smoked tomorrow, and I'll no, get hey, my man, comeuppance. We, we appreciate uh, all of us Twins fans. It's nice listening to you guys because you really do care and you feel the pain with us. So that's at least it is therapeutic. So yeah. thanks, guys. All right, Dan. Appreciate it. Man. Appreciate it. It's great stuff, man. So all right, Judd. Well, we're going to do this again tomorrow in some form, win or lose. Yeah. How are we doing but, it? Do, do we know yet? Well, we're going to do it with. Probably some Corona hard seltzers. I can't wait to go. Well, Declan, we're going to do it. Declan looks right now miserable. I'm like, not even you, like you I'm, look I'm miserable, yeah. Declan. I'm I'm miserable because of the game. Like I am absolutely no, no. crushed. You're so, mad, you're so mad, like crushed. Like Phil looks like he's ticked off, but he's seen this play before. And Phil looks like I'm mad, but but like I feel like Phil's just going to go to his car, drive home, and by the time he gets home, he'll grumble a little bit. I feel mm-hmm. like Dex is going to go to his car, drive home, sort of sniffle a bit, go inside, 
lay down on his bed and pound a pillow like the stupid twins. I just like I feel like Declan, I feel like Declan's going to do what, uh, what 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 Bill Murray did after like 16 mornings waking up to the same song. He eventually just drove a truck off a cliff. Yeah, I think that's Declan. Needlehead. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be basically me tomorrow. Yes, it, it's existence is pain. God. Just once, I just wanted to happen once. Yeah. Bill had to experience it with me in the studio. I'm sure he's like, God, I learned a lot more about Declan in the last three hours than I did in the previous uh, four years. Yeah, well, that's a that's a wrap on this episode of Twins Ventline <laughs> on Mackie and Judd. Coming up next on the radio side on AM fifteen hundred, you can listen to. If you want to, Yankees playoff baseball. Yankees and Indians, if you want to rub it in your stuff. Are we trolling people? (laughs) We are. Yes, we are. And uh, and we'll be back with a post-game show tomorrow. So, all right, Judd. Judd's at Target Field. Just go find find some some leftover beer barrels over down the hallway there. They're all empty. I've checked. (laughs) All right. And you can find a full episode here. If you missed any of it, you can find it on the Mackie and Judd podcast feed. Scorenorth.com. Apple or Spotify are the best places to find that. All right. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad for Declan Goff doing a kick-ass job on production. That is a wrap. Another breaking ball. Brantley delivers that one down in front of Buxton. Correa is going to come in to score. And so is Springer. And-